This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. I'm on the phone this morning with Eduardo Molina Anfossi, who is uh, with Paper and Tea, a gourmet tea supplier in Europe. And how are you doing this morning, Eduardo? Very well. Thank you. Thank you, Ian, for the invitation. I'm so glad. I met you very briefly after your great presentation at the recent Kombucha Summit, which I um, blogged about extensively, so people who've seen Booch News will know about that. But let me clarify, what is paper and tea? Can you explain the history of the company briefly, where you came from, and where people can contact you and find you today? So uh, paper and tea, we are a Berlin-based tea company. Uh, we were founded by Jens de Groeta. Uh, he's a half German, half Canadian. He grew up in Canada, actually. And he founded Paper and Tea uh, roughly 10 years ago when he moved back to Germany. And after spending a lot of time traveling around, spending some time in Asia for work, he came back to Germany. He came back to Berlin, actually. And he noticed that he couldn't find a tea that he was already, uh, that he grew accustomed to drink. So he couldn't find tea shops where he could find nice Japanese teas or Taiwanese teas, especially pure teas at the moment. And uh, so he decided to create this store himself. So we opened the very first store, uh, as I said, roughly 10 years ago. Um, we started an expansion in the last few years, so we are currently up to, we just opened, uh, we are opening a store at the moment right now in Zurich. Yeah, it's, they are preparing it open tomorrow, but we are, we have at the moment uh, uh, roughly 10 stores already. Yeah, around, uh, in the moment, just in the German-speaking world. So we are in Germany. Yeah. A very strong uh, source in, in, in Austria, we're in Vienna as well, and opening our first store in Switzerland next year. Very Tomorrow, good. I mean. So, so it launched from Berlin 10, 11 years ago with Jean Begraier. And then what would your perception, I'm curious about the market, because I grew up in England, which is a tea-drinking com- country, although predominantly not gourmet teas, you know, the, the ever-present Typhoo and Lipton's and, and the Earl Grey. But when this launched 10 or 11 years ago in Germany, were there, was there a tea-drinking tradition for the higher-end teas where you really taste the flavor of the, of the plant? Or was, he like, did, so, um, was there a lot of education involved in the sales process? So, uh, well, I joined the company about five years ago. So I moved, I moved to Germany uh, about five years ago to join the company. And um, as I can see, well, something, when you start a tea business, so to speak, uh, there are two options. Yeah? There are countries such as, as England, for example, where there is already the habit of drinking tea. So, but usually a low quality. So the, the task, yeah, the goal we have is actually to convince people to drink better tea because they already drink tea. But the other challenge is, and that's already a challenge itself, yeah, but the other challenge is when you decide to start a tea business in a country that does not drink tea. So first of all, you do not encounter the fact that people is used to drink a specific quality because they don't know the product much. So you actually have to convince them to drink tea. 
Yeah, and in this case, you already you already can start from a high quality, and I think that's kind of like what happened with paper and tea here in Germany. Germany itself as a country is not a huge a huge tea drinking country. We have there is a specific region up in northern Germany that it that drinks a lot of tea. Ostfriesland uh, is is Friesland or something like that should be in English, but. Um, but the general German, uh, it mostly drinks herbals and fruit tea, uh, fruit blends, yeah, so mix of different fruits. But tea itself, uh, as when we speak about what's coming from the Camellia sinensis, from the tea plant, black tea, green tea, white tea, those, um, I think within the last 10 years, it's been actually a, a lot of work in educating our customers and showing these kind of products. Yeah, and looking online, I see that you actually host uh, German and English language tea tastings in Berlin and educational one-hour sessions. So that presumably has been one way that you've uh, brought people into the stores and, and educated their palates. Are those, uh, are those very popular? Exactly. I mean, well, it's, it's also been sort of an evolution. When we first, because uh, as, you, as, you, as you know, well, every tea brand has its own style. It has uh, its own collection. They offer uh, different kinds of tea. In our case, when we first started, we were, uh, we were a very purist brand. Yeah, let's say we, it, it all started like a small boutique in the, in the heart of Charlottenburg in Berlin. So it was everything very exclusive, just pure teas. But later on, we, we, were, we started to get to know our clients more. We started to, to see tea in a different way and how you can connect with other people and how can you, you, and how can you bring tea to more people. Tea, is, it's, it's a super global yeah, a beverage. Yeah? It doesn't have an age. It doesn't have a, 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 a sex. It doesn't have a... a a, a, a specific, um, oh, how do you say this in English? Uh, like social class. I mean, tea. Anybody mm -hmm. can drink tea. Yeah. So uh, we didn't want to keep tea as something extre extremely exclusive. Uh, we wanted to democrat uh, democratize tea. Yeah. So to, we, yeah. we also wanted to bring it closer to people. So uh, we still focus mostly in pure teas. Yeah, so our assortment is uh, between 60 and 70% still pure teas and teas from different origins, yeah? But within mm -hmm. the last 10 years, we've actually started to expand our horizons a little bit more, uh, start adding other uh, teas that might, might be a little bit funnier, entertaining, uh, and for newbies, yeah? So we, we, we have a very nice quality, uh, high-end also, like we like things to be, uh, blends. Yeah? So we have a collection of blends that we develop ourselves, uh, but as I said, with this core in, in, still with this core impurities. Right. This so, was also, as, as, you're, as you're saying, sorry, as you're saying it, this was also in a way to, um, uh, how do we approach the market? It was like maybe when we first started and we just brought the super extremely weird teas of different e origins, the, there was at the moment no no market for for that. I mean, uh, it it was it, it had to be developed, and one of way of develop one way of developing this market, which is what we're doing right now through the seminars, through the tastings in stores, which are very popular, by the way, 
we also do them online. During Corona time, we, did, we moved everything online, which was a great way for people to stay at home and learn something about tea. But it, it, it's, a, it's a big work. It's, it's about educating. It's about showing different types. It's about people having the chance to drink these new teas that they've never experienced. Well, it's fascinating to hear this because I'm struck by the uncanny resemblance of what you described happening over the last 11 years to kombucha, where in all, every country in the world, including U.S. and California, where I live, where it all started with the famous GT Dave two or 20 or so years ago, um, it was a drink that was pretty unknown, like you were saying. I mean, there might have been uh, some similar drinks like apple cider vinegar, but your process where you've grown the market, it looks like now on your website, you've got an incredibly extensive range of, like you say, 70% pure teas, some blended, as well as a whole bunch of accessories, beautiful looking ceramic teacups and vessels. Um, If you look, I mean, I know you've only been there five years, but if you look at the company, I mean, without giving away sales statistics and so on, but when was the when was the growth, when did it really take off? Was it kind of slow for a few years and then is it expanded rapidly or is it still kind of just gradually growing each year? I'm curious to know what you're seeing in the direction of where you think you'll be maybe in, in the future. So the company, uh, the, these first, I would say these first 10 years was the process to, uh, to get to know our clientele get to know what they like, get to polish or assortment or teas or accessories, what to offer customers, which is something we are constantly improving and analyzing and, and giving second thoughts, so to speak. But uh, we actually, until last year, we only had five stores. We, were, we had three stores in, Ber- in Berlin and two other stores in, in Hamburg and Cologne here in Germany. And this year we we are starting a big expansion, which will keep going on for the last coming for the next coming years if everything works out the way we're planning. But uh, so so far this year we've opened already. uh, I I will say the names just to 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 count. But we have these five stores already, and we just opened München Gladbach in here in Germany, Bonn, Düsseldorf. Vienna, we're opening Zurich tomorrow, and mm-hmm. we're open two more stores this year. So we will, by the end of the year, we will move from five stores to 12 stores, basically. And the same growth is expected. Uh, we're planning um, a lot of stores are already, contracts are already closed for next year. So we are already starting this full expansion in German-speaking countries for this next year as well, and we are expected to be seen in other, like in French-speaking countries, English-speaking countries uh, in the coming two years, in the next two years. So we're wow. starting, where will we be in the future, hopefully in another, but hopefully close to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like I'm, you know, somebody must have spoken to Howard Schultz when he had one Starbucks in Seattle and now there's 50,000 or whatever, 100,000 around the world. Maybe you won't get to that size, but it sounds like... I don't, the, I, I don't think we will do it like, like Starbucks style, but, uh, but hopefully we'll have yeah. some presence worldwide. 
Well, it's, it's, I think that's a great lesson for people listening to this podcast who are in the world of kombucha. You've got, you've got to spend, like you did, 10 years seeding the market, and then you'll see this probably what they call a hockey stick growth where it, it takes off like it seems to have this year and it's going to next. Was there any particular, like did you get an endorsement or was there a, a, a like publicity that, that promoted you in a big way? Did some famous person come in and rave about this on television or was it, do you do, you do much advertising outside of the, of the online content? I mean, we, 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 I, I think we, within the last, uh, within the last 10 years, we were, we were growing very organically, and that's actually what, what convinced our investors that PSP was uh, a great uh, idea. So uh, this idea that started 10 years ago, it started to evolve within the last, uh, uh, within the last years and uh, ended up uh, being by itself. I mean, we, we spent actually the brand, as I was saying, the brand started to grow organically without much marketing. I mean, just I, I think the quality spoke for itself. And the more people that just got to drink the teas and the more people that just got to visit our stores, even though there were few, they, they started becoming like really good customers. Like, some, we we had many customers that they would have maybe visited the store once, uh, and they were traveling around Germany or or visiting Berlin, and then they just started buying us online. We have a, our online store works actually amazingly. It it works very very well, but I think it's it, it's a matter it's a combination of factors. It's it, it's a matter of promoting the product, educating our customers. Um, having a nice presentation, having a good quality, living up to the, this quality, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think that that was that was the root, that was essential for our investors to actually say, okay, you know, this this been working good. It's it's a, it's a good concept. It has developed nicely by itself without putting too much effort. What would happen if we actually did uh, put the effort? And that's what's happening right now, which so yeah. far it's showing great results. I mean, people are, yeah. we can see how people are interacting in these new stores, in these new cities, and it's extremely exciting to, to, to finally, I, I, was, I was in Vienna um, for the opening, which was the day right before the Kombucha Summit, I was actually in Vienna, and it was super nice to see the people there in the store coming and they were waiting for us to open there. They had been buying our teas for years, uh, but they are from Vienna. They live there and then, and not just one, most, multiple people coming into the store being super happy that we were finally there. Yeah, and you mentioned online. Again, I'm looking at your website and, you know, you would even ship to me in the United States if I was willing to pay 39 euro shipping, but uh, it looks like, yeah, you sell uh, very inexpensive online, just 3 euro 90 to ship within Germany and Austria, and that goes up a little bit for orders outside of EU, uh, very affordably, people anywhere in, in the world, essentially. I imagine most of your sales, though, would be EU-based, but as you were opening shops or stores in those countries, organic sounds like it's... Uh, it was key as friends told friends about the beauty about their experience with your with your teas and also your chocolates uh your why was why was the name 
paper in tea chosen because you don't you don't sell paper do you sell writing equipment or paper or is that what so, was the uh, as as the store was conceived it was a like as i said like a small boutique in the heart of charlottenburg here in berlin and it's um charlottenburg for those who doesn't know it's like a super nice area in the city and the so it it all started as store selling paper and tea yeah, so we, we used to, in the very, very beginning of the company, we used to sell uh, paper as well. Uh, we, have to, we have to think, paper and tea are both products uh, that were created and invented by, by China. Yeah? yeah, and we see both products as agents of communication. Yeah, uh, paper mm. uh, through books, through writing, through exchanging ideas, and tea as a great company to that to that uh, to that thought yeah of of writing and everything started like that the focus was both but within the years we it, it shifted completely into tea uh, paper remains in the dna of paper and tea because uh, all our packaging is paper based all our teas are wrapped in paper or or gift sets uh, decoration in store, so the, there there are a lot of paper. Con uh, the concept of paper is very present in the store, and at, uh, from this year on, paper is back. So we just uh, launched in the stores uh, with the opening of the new stores right now. Actually, we just relaunched our paper line this time, designed by us, and it plays a little bit also with with the illustrations we use in our packaging. Um, so, so paper is back. <laughs> so we are actually paper and tea. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, I regret that in my week in Berlin, I, I wasn't aware that you had so many stores because I was probably near enough to whether Schlappenberg, Mitte, uh, or the other stores in Berlin. And, and looking at the website, they're absolutely beautifully uh, presented the, the teapots on the wall and the clean, I suppose you could say almost minimalist look of very blonde wooden fixtures. I mean, it, it, they look like they're a, a delightful location. And, and you presumably will host, uh, like you say, the, the, the tastings. So people certain times can actually sit in the, sh in the stores and you will let them, like, it's almost like the wine business, right? Where you're a high-end uh, wine uh, dispenser and people can come in and sample different different varieties i mean for us it, it, it's, it's it's more than proof that it, you have to try you have to drink the tea to actually get to buy it i mean it's super it's super interesting and i think that can also it 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 works for any product that you actually drink or eat i mean it works for kombucha i would say and i I bet listeners can relate to 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 that uh, to that experience that when you actually give someone the product to try, it's 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 like they they are standing the, the way the the decision making process works is completely different because they don't have to think, will I like this tea? Because they already know they do, so they just go and buy. It. So we have uh, the the in-store experience by paper and tea at paper and tea is extremely important. So um, the, we, we, are, we, we expect, and I think that's part of the success of the stores themselves, we expect people, it's not just a shop where you go and buy tea. 
It's a shop where you go and leave tea and experience tea and you smell it and you taste it and you see it brew in ways that you haven't seen it brew before. So we actually, in the, 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 the concept of the stores has been developed. Yeah, we have our designers who could actually talk way more about it. But it's interesting to see how every store has its own, own like style and feeling. But uh, in all of them, and especially now, the tea preparation is extremely important. So all our new stores, they have in the center, uh, mostly like kind of a tea bar. So a big bar where, where our, our, uh, our customers can sit down, they can enjoy tea, they can drink tea, they can stay there, they can sit down. We're, uh, all our stores, we're trying to have a lot of like seating areas so that actually people can go in, look around, have a tea, sit down for a little bit, so to, to have this, this, this moment of enjoyment. Uh, as I said, that, that the experience of drinking tea it's, um, or drinking a product, it's what makes the decision-making process go from this, oh, should I buy this or not, to like just making the decision right away. And what you're describing is something that people have enjoyed for thousands of years in the, the great tea cultures of certainly China and more recently India, uh, Ceylon, Sri Lanka, and those other regions of the world where tea is integral to their civilizations. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing what you have of the story and encourage people to go visit you. And, and I'll just say for the sake of the podcast, if people listen to this or not, looking at Booch News as well, it's very straightforward. It's paperandtea.com, and everything's there in terms of online ordering, pictures of the stores, the story of the founder, and quite very beautifully designed uh, um, website. So thank you so much, and, uh, and I, I encourage people to visit Paper and Tea in Europe and uh, perhaps even order online, no matter where you are in the world. Yes. Uh, thank you, Ian, for the invitation. It was a pleasure to get to to tell the story of paper and tea to to make it cross the the Atlantic, <laughs> and yeah. and yeah, make uh, get get it to uh, to people around the world who enjoy drinking kombucha. Yeah, why not also a plain cup of tea? Indeed, thank you. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.